Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. Hi, I'm Whitney Sewell, the host of the Real Estate Syndication Show. I really appreciate everyone listening today. I've got a great guest today. Most of you have probably heard of him. Um, he has got a, he's got a great podcast. He's got um, a coaching program. He is doing a lot in multifamily, and I'm excited to have him on the show. Uh, Lane Kawaoka. Uh, Lane is a city project engineer and a licensed professional uh, with master's degree in civil engineering with the emphasis in construction management with a bachelor's in industrial engineering, both from the University of Washington, Seattle. Aside from his day job, he's the co-owner of MPLFE Investments, which invests in class B and C value-add apartment buildings and currently controls two manufactured home parks and 10 apartment buildings totaling over 1,600 units in Houston, San Antonio, Lake Charles, Missouri, and Oklahoma City. Lane, thanks so much for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Whitney. Uh, Lane, would you just start by giving us a little bit of background, how you got into real estate, and then pretty pretty quickly, we'll get into how you got into multifamily and syndication. Yeah, so the short story is, uh, you know, I went to school to be an engineer, but then I uh, worked for about five, six years, and, you know, in that timeline, I bought a primary residence that I rented out, and that's when I kind of saw the light that, you know, building streams of cash flow was going to get me out of the rat race. So, um, you know, I did the turnkey rentals for a while, got up to 11 of those. And then I realized it just wasn't sustainable. Like how a lot of us probably see things um, in the syndication world and, you know, syndications are just, you know, maybe you're not getting as high returns, especially as a limited partner, but definitely the scalability is uh, why you do, do syndication and everybody gets to that point at some point. Um, you know, move past the, you know, the single family home is a great thing, but definitely gets a little old. So what, what pushed you into multifamily specifically? How did you feel confident enough to take that leap? Yeah. I mean, it's a couple of things, right? Like first is the scalability, like, you know, I lived 11 single family homes. I had, you know, probably about one or two evictions a year and maybe about four big issues that happened and, you know, not the huge issues. And, you know, I'm not managing the property at a manager in place, but, um, you know, if that's only for like what, $3,000 a passive a month, you know, at a few hundred dollars per property. I mean, do the math. If you're looking to get 10,000 a month, you're going to need 30 of those houses. And then that means an eviction every other month and a big issue every single month or two. Um, and it just was kind of getting out of hand at that point when I kind of play it around in my head mentally. So that was kind of propelling me forward. And then, you know, this, the, uh, the syndications is, you know, just started to hang around with higher level people, you know, doctors, lawyers, you know, being an engineer, I, I kind of felt, found other engineers that were 10, 20 years ahead of me. And I just, you know, I, it's no secret. I just kind of copy people. It's just, but what they're doing it probably makes sense. So that was kind of why I moved into that space. No sense in redeveloping the will, right? Right, right. Why, you know, why stand on the, the shoulders of giants, right? Mm. I mean, you know, us Asian people, we just copy everything, right? I mean, pretty much copied the Toyota, right? <laughs> I mean, coffee and make it a little better. <laughs> That's right. 
Um, so I guess why syndication though, and why not, okay, buy a duplex or a fourplex and try to, you know, I hear that so often, well, most people don't go right into syndication or, you know, um, it's a lot of naysayers and why, you know, most people will do a few single family, then a fourplex. And, uh, you know, you, you had to have some confidence to say, okay, I'm going to move into larger multifamily. I can see the need for that. I can see the scalability. What really, I guess, gave you that confidence? Yeah, when you know, when I first started doing it, um, there was a partner and we had the same thinking, like, oh, we don't trust anybody, you know, we're gonna do this ourselves and pull our money together by, you know, maybe go down that I call it the mom pa investor route, right? You get a duplex, quad, eightplex, sixteen, thirty-two. You don't have to go exactly in that weird <laughs> mathematical order. <laughs> but you get the point, you know, you work your way up to get to that sixty unit threshold where then you can have your property manager living there or are in-house and you get the economies of scale. But there's two big issues with that. When you are going to on that road, you're competing with everybody out there. Everybody else has the same idea. Oh, I don't trust nobody. I'm going to do it all myself. And you're competing with these, all these other unsophisticated investors. And then secondly, it's the worst. It's like no man's land for lending. I mean, you don't get non-recourse Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan until you hit about a million dollars in loan size. And, and that's, that was not, for me another thing that pushed me over the edge that, you know, I got to get into the syndication space because I don't want to screw around with recourse debt anymore. Mm. And more, I guess also the third reason is, you know, I don't want to put more than a hundred grand into each deal. I don't want to put more than, you know, that much risk into one project. You know, I want to be in 50 grand, 50 grand, 50 grand, 50 grand, all over the place. Nice. Touch on the non-recourse. Uh, we've talked about it on the show before, but just in case someone hasn't hasn't heard of that term before, could you just elaborate on that and what that is? Yeah. So most loans out there, traditional loans are a recourse debt. So, you know, your primary residence, you go get a mortgage for that. You uh, buy a half a million dollar house or here in Hawaii, it's like a million dollars, it seems like, uh, for a regular house. You put down 20%, you know, you pay it down, but you're still liable for the rest of the loan. Maybe it's $800,000. And in case anything happens, you fall behind, it's too bad, so sad. They're going to come after you for the rest of that debt. Um, But a lot of these larger projects, you know, million dollar loan size or more, it's got to qualify for the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac program. So, you know, most times it's got to be stabilized. So definition of that changes a little bit depending on which market it is in, but 90% occupied, you know, so a stabilized, good performing apartment building. And another thing is you got to have somebody else on your partnership team to sign on the loan for you who has the experience. And how do you get the experience if you don't have the experience? Well, yeah, that's where this partnering up and teaming up comes from. So with that loan, you're able to put the down payment, and get a non-recourse debt for the debt. And should anything happen, that you can just sort of just walk away. As long as there's no foul play involved, no fraud. Um, you know, of course, you know, if, if you something were to happen, you weren't able to pay it back, I'm sure there's going to have to be some legal proceedings to ensure that there is no foul play involved. Then, you know, you can trigger that non-recourse component. Um, but... That's essentially it. I mean, as as more uh, high net worth individuals getting into the game, into the syndication space, 
you know, you don't want to put your, your money on the line every single deal. I mean, that's exactly the opposite of what you want to do. So the non-recourse debt, you know, it's probably another thing that pushed me over the edge too. Tell me, Lane, what is, what's, what's something that has contributed to your success that we can all apply to our, our business? Um, I think it's just figuring out what your goals are um, and then kind of calibrating what you're doing to that. I mean, when I got into the space, I went to an apartment during um, all that mentorship group to get the education I needed to do an apartment lead because that was the logical leap, right? You know, do single family homes then be an apartment lead where, you know, you're putting together deals where it's 100, 200 units. But then I realized I didn't like doing that. And it was a lot of hard work. And, you know, I'm not an accredited investor yet, but I'm definitely on the flight path to be. And I just realized that I could just be a limited partner and invest my money at 15 to 20% a year. And then I'll be, I'll be good. I'd be cool. <laughs> I don't really need to take any big chances, take any risks. Um, you know, a lot of people that somehow they find it to my podcast, they don't have any money. And I'm like, dude, why do you even listen to my podcast? You know, like that's not what my podcast is for. Um, but those guys, they need, need, need to flip houses, wholesale, do all kinds of single family home flips. But for other people who have gotten to a certain level, I, I think the syndications is definitely the way to go and, and invest, you know, as a passive first. So you are, you're coaching, you're coaching people also, right? And to reaching financial freedom. Is that what I read on your website? Yeah. You know, it's kind of there because, you know, some people ask us a little bit too many questions. So I kind of refer them to that. I actually don't really like, uh, I mean, I really love coaching, right? I mean, it, it helps me build a relationship with somebody, but I recognize it's just not scalable. Mm. It's something I should not be doing. Again, that's, you know, the essence, right? Trading time for money, um, you know. Right. I can probably go to my day job and probably make more money than doing that kind of stuff. But I do enjoy it. So I can be tricked into doing it sometimes. <laughs> can you can you tell us, you know, that just at a high level, the process you're going to walk a student or, or uh, somebody you're coaching through to reach the financial financial freedom? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it always starts out, well, what do they want to get out of this? Because essentially they're paying for my time. So, you know, a couple of tracks, you know, some people, they just want to get a couple single family homes, get a couple of turnkeys. They just want somebody, they just want me to open up my Rolodex and use all my, you know, proven people. And they basically want me to hold their hand through the process. Um, and they want to learn every single part, you know, why am I doing certain things? Other people, they just want me to do everything, get me up to the syndication level. And then, you know, that way they can kind of, you know, play with a stabilized portfolio and then learn that to get into syndications. Some people just want me to be a syndication, you know, inspector in a way. They just want to, me to read these PPMs and executive summaries and tell, tell, tell them what I think about it or if I know the person or do some digging on the person. Um, that's what they want. It, it really depends on what the person wants. Um, kind of runs the, the, the gambit there. Okay. So you're going to tailor it to that specific person or where they're at in the process. Right. That makes sense. Right. And it's, and it's kind of funny, like, you know, the people, people who have money, I don't know, they're like the glutton for punishment thing. They're like, they want to do it the hard way all the time. They're like, Oh, you know, I want to learn it. I'm le- I want to learn it. I'm like, man, like <laughs> you guys, like it's cracking up. 
So let's take the person who uh, maybe they have ten or twenty thousand dollars saved up, and they're looking for coaching. They want to do syndications eventually. You know, what's going to be their route uh, to to reaching that financial freedom? I think that they should keep that money and you know buy some single family homes and get that. I think to jump into the syndication world, you probably should be a syndication investor. I mean, there's really no way to getting around it. Um, and to do that, you probably need about $100,000 of cash flow or, or $100,000 of liquidity at least, and about $20,000 to $30,000 of cash flow coming in from either your day job or your passive investments. So, you know, 10, 20 grand, you know, dude, that's really not that much. Maybe you can go and find a deal and bring it to a syndicator, and that's your way into the game. And you can get some equity for that. And you can also build a relationship where you can start to extract uh, the lessons from it. How do you do syndication? But, you know, it's like, dude, this is real estate investing. You need money to invest. You know, (laughs) if you need money, you know, that's what the jobs are for. You know, there's all ways you can make money. Right. Yeah. Well, I like asking uh, guys who or people who do coaching and mentoring, you know, I would love to hear some, some mistakes or things that you're coaching people through that you see are just really common. I think all the mistakes can be pointed to self-awareness and, you know, like, you know, in just non-real estate world, you know, self, non-self-awareness people are the people running around, running their mouth. They don't really take a look at what they're doing and look at the proverbial mirror at themselves. So, you know, again, like, how's that relate in the real estate world? You know, like it's like the guy with $10,000 thinking he's going to get into syndication. I mean, yeah, it's possible, highly unlikely. And, you know, yeah, there's people that might've done it, but I think you have to realize it's a very self-selecting group. The people who have done it. Yeah. Now they're talking on a podcast, but you don't see the hundreds of people who crashed and burned and really didn't get anywhere. And they paid for syndication coaching or something like that when they really should have got a bought a property to get started hmm. <laughs> the long and hard route. I, I think that's, you know, people don't take into account, you know, I think you have to look at yourself and say, Hey, how much time do I have? If I'm a busy professional, do I really have time? If I don't have a job, well, perfect. Right? Like this is your, could be your thing, but then it's money. You know, how much money do you have? And we kind of beat that to death. But the last one is, you know, what's your knowledge slash network is? Because maybe you have a very great network or you know a lot. You know, you have to leverage that. What What's something I can do right now to improve my, my syndication business? I think, you know, realizing that you're going to be in the game a long time. Because in the syndication business, you're not really putting all your eggs in one basket. You're diversifying around. So it's just a matter of staying alive. So... I think you just have to, you know, build a relation. It comes down to relationships at the end of the day. So if, you know, I think a lot of people get into this, this zone where they're just kind of selling deals. I mean, that's a great way to kind of alienate people, you know, at the end of the day, I think if you put your investors first in your heart, the words will follow and your actions will follow. Can you give us some tips in, in putting our investors first and kind of modeling what you just, what you just said? Well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of, it's not really hacks. It's a more of the top down mindset. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go into this deal with your own 50 grand, 
then you've already made up your mind for yourself. You just have to communicate the reasons why you're doing it. And which is a difference between you selling this deal that would you have bought it on your own? You know, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Right. But if you believe in your heart that it's a good investment, that, you know, the cap rates are where it's at and it's underwritten properly and it's using the right assumptions, you know, not some crazy 5% rent increase a year, but conservatively at 1.5 and you know how to do that and you can communicate that over, then I think that's, that's what's important. Not you trying to sell a deal. I mean, that's the worst thing. I mean, you got to be like a hunter. Um, you know, people like, are, like that are hunters. They go out, they, they prey on the, on, the, on the kill, and they move on to the next one. That's like a used car salesman or a cyclopedia salesman. Nobody likes those guys. You know, you got to be a farmer with your relationships. You, to, you know, tell people what you're doing. If they want to follow you and they trust you, they'll follow you. Tell me, what's your focus right now? Are you in the syndication model right now? Or if you are, you know, just tell us what your focus is currently. Yeah, so I, I kind of see myself as the deal hunter hunter. Um, gone are the days where I kind of talk to brokers and, you know, I get like a, I get at least 20 or 30 deals in my inbox every single day, but there are a lot of them, like 99.9% of them are just junk because they're, they're kind of non-filtered. I kind of just focus on building relationships with oper- good operators and, uh, you know, newer ones too, but I, I normally just follow them for their first couple deals. And when somebody, you know, builds up a track record and I've been following them for a one t- long time and I trust them and build a relationship with them, then I'll look into investing with them. At that point, you know, I've run my background checks. I've asked my people who this guy is. And then I pull the P&Ls and rent rolls. And, you know, so basically I'm hunting the hunters out there these days. So you're on the capital raise side. Yeah. yeah. Great. Great. Tell us, how do we know a good, good sponsor, you know, uh, when we find one? Well, I think at first, you know, you're going to go around and, you know, this kind of drives me crazy all the time, but people always solicit first, which I think is the craziest thing in the world. Okay. You're basically telling me that you're super desperate for money that you, in the first meeting, you have to ask me for money. You know, what's more desperate than that? So whatever you do, don't do that. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of like, you know, adding people to your Rolodex, your, your, your network, and then just things will happen. If you keep growing your business, um, opportunities will come your way as people will hear about you. So some sponsor that you've partnered with or co-sponsored with, what was their... Like, what was it about them? I know you had the relationship, but was it a certain amount of deals that they have done or a certain amount of return? Or Yeah, I mean, you know, deals they've done, I, I'd say, you know, maybe about two or three is kind of the minimum threshold, I guess, in my head. Um, returns, I mean, everybody's doing the same returns. I mean, 80, 80 to 100%, whatever the gold standard these days is, but it's all built into your assumptions. I mean, you can, you can be 100% year in five years, um, but if it's not underwritten correctly, it can go right down to a 20% return in five years, which is a bad deal. Um, so it's all built in on the back end. And you know, if you know how to analyze deals, you can kind of sniff that out and see who the real people are from the fakers. Um, but you know, for the most part, 
if people are underwriting their properties correctly and you know you're assuming that they're all the same it's just a matter of building your own network of limited partners and using them to help you vet people because once you build your your network to a critical mass size now you pretty much know everybody and if you don't know someone somebody you know has probably been in their previous deal or knows them so at that point you know that's why i say like you know Someone will bring me a deal and I'll be like, I never heard of that guy. They might be great, but it's just not worth it. You know, there's just, there's so many good people doing good deals that it just doesn't make sense to go off the beaten path really. That makes sense. Um, as far as underwriting the deal, how many deals uh, would you say you have underwritten before you really felt confident uh, that, that you knew exactly what you were looking at when somebody presented you with the numbers? Yeah. So, I mean, in 2017, I think is when I still had this pipe dream when I wanted to be an operator of a class B and C multifamily. So I went this on this uh, crazy mission to just analyze every single thing that came across my inbox. Um, so probably like the first six months, I analyzed at least like 60 to 80 properties and initiate a lot in the beginning, it takes you like an hour to do it, you know, putting in the spreadsheet, put all the rent rolls in there. Um, but then you start to, you know, you start to figure out which ones are like not even worth your time to put it in a spreadsheet. And then the one, and then you can kind of fudge numbers. It's not perfect, but you know, you've done it well enough to, to know, you know, you can do it in 10, 20 minutes, especially when all your windows are up. Um, and, you know, doing that, I probably got another 100, almost 200 done in the next year, 18 months. But I felt like I kind of got it pretty good at 50, but I got it really good at about 150 properties. So, you know, let's just say you're doing it 20 minutes per. I mean, that's, that's a good 20, 30 hours just doing the same thing. And you start to build the heuristics in your head. You start to see the matrix. You, you know what to look for. I think at that point, that's that's kind of when you've got it. I mean, it's not rocket science, right? Right. Income minus expenses. What's the mistakes? You know, I, some mistakes you see that are really common as far as underwriting. I think the biggest one is the cap rate reversion thing. I mean, that's just that's more of a gut a call. You know, so if you folks don't know what that is, you know, you're supposed to take the the prevailing cap rate, say it's like six percent, and then you know because we're all guessing out here. We don't know what the economy is going to be. We want to be more conservative. You want to show your version cap rate 1% higher than that, especially if it's like a five-year hold. So, you know, that just, that basically says that you're going to sell the property in a softer market. So it's just the one cell on your spreadsheet that you change, but it's got to be right. It certainly can't go the opposite, you know, you know, from six to five and a half. That's just crazy. But you see that out there. I mean, you see people doing like half a percent increase which is way too little bit in my opinion. And, you know, once I see something like that from a syndication perspective, I just chuck that thing around the trash can already. Well, b- before we run out of time, tell us, uh, tell us how you've recently improved your business. Um, you know, just small increments every day. You kind of lose track of it after a while. Um, I'm pretty good at, you know, keeping, keeping notes these days because they kind of just go, you know, a lot of people, right? And it's just, it's just hard to keep track of people. But I, I think, I think you got to try to figure out who are the people you want to keep 
in close contact. And, you know, the more people, the, the bigger chance you get to just filter, filter all day long. Do you have a specific CRM or something that you use um, to help manage those notes? Yeah, I mean, initially I use Excel, but, you know, now, I mean, now it's like thousands. So it's like I use ActiveCampaign, mm-hmm. which is like MailChimp. I mean, I, I would suggest if you're starting out, use MailChimp. It's free. It does pretty much everything. And I think what's nice is you can like go between all these CRMs. Right. All right, Lane. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. And uh, how can our guests get a hold of you or learn more about uh, your podcast? Yeah, you guys can go to simplepassivecashflow.com and check out the podcast, Simple Passive Cashflow. Um, uh, If you guys are uh, interested in learning about some deals, you know, set up a call with me. Um, those who join the club at simplepassivecashflow.com backslash club, you guys get a free coaching call. Short one, but we'll try and go right to the point. Time is money, right? Yeah. Hey, right. Lane, I'm very grateful for your time, you being on the show. And I hope everyone uh, has enjoyed the show and will subscribe and leave a review. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Lenny. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital. Making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.